Welcome to the Accord Research Alliance podcast, where we talk with innovators who are committed to measuring what matters and Christ-centered relief and development. My name is Kristen Check, Program Evaluation Coordinator at Water Mission and one of the hosts of this podcast. Today I share with you a recent conversation I had with Rodney Green, my co-host here at the podcast, who is also a Program Advisor for Agriculture and Economic Development at World Relief. Rodney and I discussed a topic many of our listeners have been asking for for quite some time now, partnering with the university. So we talk about how to make that partnership happen, how to navigate IRB approval and consent to conduct research in a foreign country, and we even cover some of the more explosive challenges that Rodney's faced in data collection. So sit back and I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, Rodney, welcome. You've been a co-host on this podcast for a year now, and it is so great to finally have you here as a guest. It's great to be with you. Awesome, cool. So before we jump in the topic, um, into the topic for today, would you mind giving us just a brief intro to yourself and World Relief? Yes, definitely. Well, my name is Rodney Green, and at World Relief, our mission is to Uh, empower the church to serve the most vulnerable. And my role specifically is to provide technical support for our country offices that are implementing agriculture or savings programs. I mainly work in South Sudan, Kenya, Burundi, Rwanda, and Haiti. I also work on a team to support our outreach activities, which empowers church networks um, currently in five countries to conduct home visits, uh, with holistic messages. So this is utilizing uh, church volunteers. And the messages revolve around spiritual health, family strengthening, wash, nutrition, economic development, and a variety of other things. Um, and the model is really designed for peer-to-peer modeling. So that's another thing I'm involved in. And my roles typically, or always really, involve program design, monitoring, and evaluation, as well as management. That's great. So uh, today I know you wanted to share with us a little bit on your experience partnering with a professor at a university in your role, um, specifically in conducting a mixed methods case study. And when you first mentioned this topic um, of coming on the podcast to talk about this, I was really excited because this is something that our listeners have been asking for. And I think there's quite a bit of a need for sharing on this topic uh, in our network. So, you know, these questions of how do you partner with universities or academics? How does that actually happen and come about? What does that look like in practice, especially for a smaller organization? Um, And I think the perception exists that it's a lot easier for these larger organizations and large research institutions to get together. Um, But what does this look like on a smaller scale? How do you even get started? So I think, uh, as we were discussing before the podcast, in the spirit of not trying to bite off more than we can chew here, because there's really a lot we could unpack with this episode, um, maybe we should just start there. So what's your study? What is this study about? And how did this university partnership actually come about? Well, it, it really started with me wanting to reach out to and get advice from and build relationships with professors and researchers from various universities. Um, I really wanted to get some of that rigor um, and that research expertise kind of feeding into our programs. And uh, one particular professor from the University of Michigan gave me some feedback on our Agriculture to Nutrition Projects log frame. 
And in our conversations, we, we really resonated and connected around a desire to see programs work, to see programs actually empowering vulnerable people and making a difference. And so we really connected on a relational level. And um, so when this research funding opportunity came out about from MEDA, which is, stands for Mennonite Economic Development Association, they were actually channeling funds from the International Development Research Center and funding a whole portfolio of research projects around the world. Um, so when I came across this opportunity, I contacted him to see if he'd be interested in partnering with us as the principal investigator for the, for the research. Um, and he agreed. So I, I kind of came up with a, um, a research question and framework that um, kind of fit with some of his research interests and what we were also asking from a programmatic side. And so the case study, um, in summary, is investigating the impact of non-traditional finance uh, which in our case are village savings and loan associations, and what impact these non-traditional finance uh, kind of access to this has on agriculture investments for rural farmers. Now for those people who don't know, village savings and loans associations are kind of a, a community banking system where um, groups of people who trust each other get form a group, it's self-governed, they form a constitution, and they're able to save together and also access loans together with the money that they pull together. They also have a safety net um, there, uh, which we call the social fund. And so we wanted to see if, if farmers are engaged in these types of groups and have access to loans or uh, insurance products, you know, are they able to make investments in agriculture, like seeds or fertilizer, at the time of the year when they need it? Uh, do these loans... Do they get loans for other activities, which frees up money to spend on agriculture? And we're very interested in these questions. And so we formed this partnership um, and, you know, and went from there, really. That's great. So I was, as we were talking, I was picking out a number of things here. So it sounds like you really took the initiative uh, at the start of this and were reaching out to a number of folks to see who might be interested in partnering and and trying to find someone that, or a researcher, a professor that really resonated with, with you and with the project and the outcomes that you were wanting to see. That's right, and that's something that I think really anybody at any size organization could start doing, even right now. Agreed, yeah, I think a lot of times we kind of sit back and think, oh, I, I don't even know how to get started, I don't even know what to do, and, and kind of your model was, well, just do right like just do something make up the phone make a phone call um so that that's encouraging to hear and i also like how so you you found a research or um uh like a partner from a university a professor but then the funding actually came from somewhere else so it wasn't like you were sort of just banking on the university being a one-stop shop for all your needs oh yeah definitely i think the, the external funding in our case was really important, and I think that's that's an important piece of the whole puzzle. That's great. Yeah, good learnings there. So I'm assuming in doing this type of study, you did need to uh, go through the process of applying for and receiving IRB approval, which I know can be kind of a minefield, kind of a confusing process, differs from place to place and requirements and country. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just walking us through that process a little bit. 
Right. Well, maybe as I start to tackle that question, just to back up a second, I mean, one of the things to mention, too, is that um, we actually decided, uh, the professor and I, not to go through the University of Michigan because of the size of the funding um, wasn't enough to cover the overheads that the university would require to, like, get their name on it and stuff like that. Mm. So we, we actually uh, worked out an agreement where he would, uh, instead of going through the university, he would um, be a private consultant for us. And so with that in mind, uh, together we hired a graduate student from the Masters of Public Health program at the University of Michigan, who was able to get academic credit as an independent study, but also we had our own contract with her um, as well, because she also worked over the summer, and we had funding to, to help pay her for that. And so um, that was just one thing to mention, because that also works into the whole IRB process. Um, one thing I learned from the professor was that uh, for the University of Michigan to get um, to have an IRB process, they are often um, linked to a local body that does IRBs. So what was most important in our case was to find a local entity to get uh, to, who would do an IRB and figure out what requirements they needed. So we found out that entity, which was the Rwanda National Ethics Committee, and our graduate student and I and, um, and the professor, we worked together to formulate a research protocol according to their requirements. We had someone from our organization on the ground who had to present the research protocol at a committee meeting. And we went through a, a process of getting feedback from them, and eventually we were approved uh, before our data collection began. That's great. Yeah, and that's something that's important to consider is not only the importance of, importance of going through this process, but really how time-consuming it can be and the many steps that you have to take. So especially like trying to think about all that when you're research planning, it's really important to consider that research approval process. That's right. It was, it was important for us, and it was important, too, to if we begin thinking about publishing um, any of the data that we received, we just wanted to make sure we have that in place. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, good point. So as we can probably anticipate, whenever we do research, um, especially research and countries where we don't live and we're not used to working, there are some challenges that we encounter. So I'm wondering if you could share with us any challenges you might have encountered while implementing this study. Well, one of the largest challenges we had to face was um, because of the way Amida was challenging the, the funding from the um, IDRC or the International Development Research Center. The IDRC is a Canadian entity, and they were requiring approval from a specific government ministry um, in Burundi, where we were wanting to do this study originally. And uh, the political situation in Burundi is very tense. Um, even just last week, they threatened to shut down all NGO work in the country and mm -hmm. then kind of backtracked a little bit. Um, so it's just a tense situation, and this particular government entity um, really was not set up to give a kind of approval like this for for really a small case study that we were looking to to do. So um, we had to really wrestle with this idea of, of interacting with this government ministry, um, trying to get the type of approval, which they didn't really know what we were talking about, without also getting um, any unwanted attention. And in the end, we decided not to 
continue pursuing it, and it was we were basically stuck. The funding could not be released in this type of situation. So um, we worked with Mita and um, we're very open with them about the challenges of this process, and and we worked together with them to to pivot and do a study in a different country, which is which is really which was really great to to be able to have that kind of flexibility. And so we approached our country office in Rwanda. We got up to speed with what government ministries we needed approval from, and we were able to go through that process, get the approvals we needed, and move forward. Uh, so that was a, a big challenge we um, were able to to face and overcome in the end. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's um. That's a big pivot actually, and one that I think a lot of people could get stuck in. So that's great to hear that you found a solution. Yes, and. Um, and there's always other kind of other challenges as well, and I wanted to mention this too because um, I think sometimes when you see you know academic reports published, um, it looks pretty good. It's gone through a whole process, but it's often the kind of real life behind the scenes. I think is also important to mention. Um, the graduate student and I went to Rwanda in August to do uh, some testing of the of the data collection tools and we worked with some farmers there, we worked with the staff and we really wanted to get those tools ready before training the enumerators. And while we were there, our graduate student had come from Bangladesh for another um, another internship and she got malaria symptoms. And within two days, ended up going to the hospital and needed a lot of time to rest. And, um, you know, thankfully you, everything worked out and she got better and and um, and things like that. But it's it's just something I wanted to mention that you know these types of real life uh, situations do come up in the midst of this type of work, and it's something that you know we have to to deal with and, and to face um, with wisdom as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Life doesn't really stop while this is going on, and so oftentimes I know what we do at Water Mission is tend to leave just a bit of a buffer. Um, in terms of time because inevitably something is going to happen that slows you down whether you you know have a flat tire or your tech equipment doesn't work or someone gets malaria heaven forbid um, that kind of stuff certainly happens sometimes more often than not (laughs) yeah definitely it's definitely good to build in some time uh, for that kind of risk mitigation Mm -hmm. and one of our our funniest stories from the world relief side is that we, in another evaluation project, we actually had our data collection tablets explode <laughs> while they were charging overnight. And so that's like a funny story we tell ourselves as to what could happen when you're collecting data. Things may actually explode. <laughs> that's right. The hazards of research, right? Okay, so, so I guess um, maybe to sum up our conversation here, Ronnie, what tips might you have for other small to medium-sized organizations who are listening to this podcast today who would like to partner with research universities and maybe they just don't know how, how to go about it or how to set themselves up or, you know, what steps to take? What advice could you give them um, so they might be able to go down this same path? Well, I would say to really just start reaching out to researchers, you know, like even just getting on Google and looking at universities and seeing what um, what researchers there are out there that are interested in the types of things your program is interested in. 
Um, you could also uh, be a part of uh, networks like the Accord Research Alliance. Mm -hmm. That's It's actually through that network that I I got connected to a Master's of Public Health student at U of M, mm -hmm. who then introduced me to the professor I'm now partnering with in this project. So mm -hmm. these being involved in networks and building relationships will, and also kind of even just Googling and, and picking up the phone are helpful to just start building relationships. I would also say to even start drafting research questions that are relevant for your programs um, and then are also relevant for researchers that you are building relationships with. Um, and as a part of that too, I mean, if, if you're able to um, look at different websites, um, different kind of and, and really conduct a literature review around your program and see what research has been done, um, what evidence you can build on, and what further gaps there are, what questions researchers are asking in, in the field of your program, and really, um, and really going into that. So uh, I'd say a third thing, or a fourth thing, would be to keep an eye out for funding opportunities. Uh, this could either be through a, um, an organization like MEDA, or, or different types of organizations like that, a private donor or a foundation, or even as part of um, a larger grant that's that would have a kind of an M&E section to it, where you can add in a, kind of a research component. Um, I'd also just reiterate that you don't have to go through the university of the researchers that you're working with, although um, they may prefer that. It's kind of up to them what what they would prefer, what would work for them, and uh, they potentially might be willing to work with you as a private consultant. So, um, and I would just recommend it. I would recommend this whole process because it's a great uh, learning opportunity. I have learned a whole lot through this process, and it uh, it really strengthens uh, the program, strengthens the uh, the people involved, from the data collection team uh, for us in Rwanda, as well as for me as a as a technical advisor, uh, this it's just been a great experience, and I'd recommend taking those first steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, Rodney. I think you've got a lot of good messages here um, for our network. Just you know, just starting, just starting somewhere, but also this thought that you can be flexible. I think too, there tends to be this. I don't know if it's maybe like fear of the unknown, but you're just not quite sure how to engage, but. To your point that there's a whole lot of flexibility in this system and it, it can work in the benefit of both parties and should work in the benefit of both parties. That's right. Finding win-win solutions um, is, is the best way forward. Mm -hmm. um, see where those mutual interests connect. Yeah, definitely. Great. Well, Rodney, thanks so much for sharing with us today and in the interest of um, kind of collaborating what you were saying earlier about the benefits of networks and building relationships. We do have our spiritual metrics and research intensive upcoming later this month at Ridgecrest, which you and I are co-hosting along with uh, Nathan Maloney from Living Water, who's another co-host of this podcast, and David Bronkema at Eastern University as well. And I don't know if you want to um, maybe give a little plug on what you're excited about uh, with regards to that day. I'm, I'm really excited for that day. We've got a couple of great keynote speakers who are going to give us a great um, overview of the field of research and faith integration and kind of what, what people are, different people are doing and how, that, how people are thinking and the theories behind that. 
And then we also have some some great practitioners and leaders in different organizations that are going to be talking about case studies, how they're actually doing this in their organizations, really um, enfleshing these theories into real practice uh, and having a, a great discussion around that. We've also got um, other uh, researchers sharing tools that they've developed for spiritual metrics and research. So we're excited to really get deep and into this whole field, really. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot there and giving that overview. But yeah, it's going to be a jam-packed day. It's going to be really fun. Um, and I think it's just a great place to see what other folks in the network are doing, what questions they're struggling with and challenges they face. Um, and certainly, if y'all are interested in talking more with Rodney about the subject of partnering with universities, he's going to be there, so you can catch up him with him there in person. I'll look forward to it. <laughs> Great. Okay, thanks, Rodney. Can you tell folks where they might be able to find you online if they want to learn more right now? Uh, well, if you're interested in learning more about World Relief's work, of course, you could just go to the website, worldrelief.org. If you're interested in the portfolio of research projects that MEDA uh, is kind of managing, um, it, you can look up uh, MEDA, Mennonite Economic Development Association, uh, Innovate, and they have a list of their projects online that they're funding, including ours. And, um, and also just reach out to us with specific questions you might have. Great. Thanks, Rodney, and thanks um, to everyone else for tuning in. So I want to just make a little plug here to make sure um, you guys should to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And email us at ARA at AccordNetwork.org to send any ideas you might have about who we should talk to next or any suggestions you have on themes you might want us to explore or unpack on this podcast. And lastly, but not least, if you haven't already, sign up for the Spiritual Metrics and Research Intensive at the One Accord Forum in Ridgecrest, North Carolina. That'll be the Spiritual Metrics Intensive is uh, October 29th, which is the Monday right before the forum itself. So we hope to see you at the intensive and at the forum overall. It's a great time um, for learning and sharing. So thanks again for being with us, Rodney. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.